are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Radiant Culture. I'm Cookie Monster. And today, I have a guest co-host, Dazzle. What's happening, Dazzle? Hey, hey. Uh, not much. Just sipping on some nice tea. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got don't look very nice, but... Uh... It's rooibos with extra sugar in it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I thought... touch you, Mungu. No, I just find it weird when people have rooibos with sugar. But anyway, you know what? It's okay. Let's talk about other things. Today, <laughs> we have a very, very, very exciting and timely topic that we are uh, unpacking. We're talking about sex and the church. Now, I know we've spoken about sex a lot, but today we really want to talk about it because, you know, it's, it's important. And we're joined by two guests, two very special guests. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And one of them actually needs no introduction, but still, I'll let them introduce themselves. So, guys, please go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. My name is... Anna, I suppose to be relevant, I have been married for, hold on, calculating, seven and a half years. Um, I have two kids, my husband is like really good looking, oh my gosh. And yeah, I think this is a very good topic. Strange enough, something, I was discussing something similar with some <coughs> ladies, so I'm excited to discuss it with all of you as well. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, my name is Ivan Pastor Ivan Mawaride. I am, I know, someone is listening, thinking, huh? What is he doing on this show? <laughs> so, so, you know, besides talking about politics, what I've actually talked about more often yeah. uh, than the issues to do with politics and the issues of social justice is the issues of um, sex and sexuality, particularly with young people. And then, of course, you know, with marriage as well. So it's really exciting that you guys have chosen to talk about this because as we manage, people don't talk about this stuff. You know what I mean? Everyone hides from it or they just expect that someone is going to find out. Yeah. So it's cool to be with you guys on the show. And hopefully my contribution will, will help somebody. Awesome. Or awesome. even help me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so cool because, you know, Pastor E, uh, uh, yeah, I've attended a lot of bachelor parties and other events where he's been, <laughs> uh, where he's been, he's been. I forgot you've come to bachelor's parties. Where I was, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And things, things get down like, yeah, really raw. But anyway, uh, today we are going to talk. I want us to get straight into it. You know, we, we have a lot of bachelor parties and bachelorettes, uh-huh. bachelorette parties. That's what they're called, right? Yes. Yeah. And things, things are spoken about today, right? But the question I have, and you know, people are given advice on, you know, you're, you're, you're young, you're a young couple, you're getting married and marriage is like this, uh-huh. uh, you know, and you get all the scriptures that go with it. But <clears throat> the question is, are we really preparing people for marriage. And I'm t- here I'm talking specifically regarding sex, right? Are people really getting prepared? Does it actually help practically? Or is this just something we're doing because it's become a tradition? Maybe we can, we can start it there. Uh, from a woman's perspective, I would say no. Um, 
typically before a woman gets married they have a bridal shower it's mainly focused on cooking and making sure your husband is happy at all times so you'll get gifts like posters and dish towels you know and people sometimes if you're lucky and depending on the relationships you have in your family you might get uh some discussions about sex to a certain extent i've been to one or two which have been actually helpful but i think for the most part the focus is almost always on you're getting married you must look after your husband if you don't bath he'll leave you pretty much <laughs> Become That's such a hectic also. piece of advice. If you, <laughs> if you don't bath, you'll leave you. But often people then have bachelorettes are often then um, hosted by friends and people who you're closer to. So right. often that's where you then have peers who are then more detailed on the sex side of things and who you can actually ask questions and things like that. But the whole concept of the older women teaching the younger women, I think it's something that we've lost for the most part, which is very unfortunate. But yeah, that's what I have observed. All right. Well, I think it depends which part of the world you're in and which culture you're in, um, <clears throat> in terms of what you're going to get at a bachelor's party or at a hen party or a, a bachelorette, like uh, like it's called over in, in this part of the world. And um, I think the church has tended to, you know, use that platform to give advice which is, I think, what we're talking about here, yeah. the kind of advice given. On the most part, you go to a bachelor's party. Uh, if it's not someone from church, someone who doesn't go to church, it's, there's rare lingua advice. There's time for advice. It's just, it's booze. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you know bring out the ladies and, you know, <laughs> you know people get down. Yeah. Um, and I think the church, and, and I, I am quite excited that the church has seized that opportunity to, be, to, to, to use that to be something that they use to advise the young man to look, this is how you look after your wife. And it may not always go into the sexual side of things because not a lot of people are prepared to share on that. Uh, so it usually ends with the very softer issues, you know, uh, you know, come home on time, you know, yeah. don't forget her birthday, uh-huh. uh, you know, um, uh, you know, things like... Um, you know, your your date night, make sure you have your date night, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Right. But I think that there's very few people that are prepared to have a genuine discussion about, hey, dude, you're getting married. This they, they, Another experience to this is going to be the sexual experience, and this is how you're going to have to manage it, or this is how what to expect, or this is how to, to, to kind of deal with that side of things. So not a lot of people get a chance to hear that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So doesn't that then, because I'm thinking, we hear a lot about the bad stuff, right? When I say bad stuff, I mean, you're hearing a lot about um, don't have sex before marriage. Don't do this. All the negative things and all the negative, uh, potentially negative consequences. But <clears throat> we're not hearing enough of the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know sex is actually good and prepare yourself this way. I like the way Kuda goes, enough of the good stuff. We're not hearing enough of the good stuff. No, no, no. Dazzle, maybe you... you and you're, you're right. I mean, there is good <laughs> stuff in there. You're not wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, to pick up from that, um, look, uh, I'm... Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a married person, but, like, I, I've definitely felt the, the pinch of the and thou shalt not do it you know right. i've really felt that uh-huh. and then it's become something that kind of causes people to experiment before that you then acquire this formal 
from before you go there because then people take it either on two extremes either you then abstain entirely completely you don't uh-huh. uh, do anything at all or then on the other extreme then you're like hi may i need to experiment and figure things out so that when i'm stuck to the whole ball and chain then i know what's happening in hey, the world out there so i i watch hey, but you know what I, this is what i find interesting about about yeah i know ball and chain my yeah. but, but, but but anyway he I, something interesting about what you've just said i find a lot of people try to hide behind this whole let me let me let me experiment so that when i'm on the other side i'm not lost and I think people. I think sometimes people are, are hiding behind. No, I'm just trying to experiment so that when I'm when I'm on the other side, I don't look confused. I don't think people have sex before marriage to try and prepare for for marriage. guys, we're conning. I think that people look. People do it because people have sexual needs and sometimes the management of those sexual needs before marriage is something that overwhelms a lot of people and and i've and i've, I've always maintained this when i've taught issues of sex and sexuality that if you can't manage your sexual feelings before a marriage yep. don't expect that marriage is going to fix them it's marriage is not an antidote for a runaway sexual train mm. 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 Wow. The train is gone, it's gone. Yeah, it's too, too. Okay. shut it down. Okay, so, so tell me this then. Uh, Pastor, you, you, you mentioned, and Anna, you did as well, that uh, at these parties, these events that we have before marriage, where we're kind of trying to prepare people for marriage, people do premarital counseling in yeah. different churches, all of these things that we do. Mm-hmm. The question I have is, so does that actually have any form of impact on the marriage itself? You know what I'm saying? Once, once you're in the marriage, it, mm-hmm. it, does it make a difference? Like if, if somebody does not do it at all, right? Versus somebody who does it. Or somebody who... You mean concerning sex specifically or the whole premarital thing? I think for now, let's just talk about like sex in, in particular. Okay. Yeah. I think it is helpful and I think it's very important. Um, people say that... Disappointment comes from expectations not being met. And I think how premarital counseling assists couples is making your expectations very clear. So at times, like Jazzle mentioned, some people who really cut out all things sexual before they get married and then they kind of feel like, oh my gosh, when I'm married, we'll have sex in the morning and then again after work (laughs) and what, 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 Uh you know. And then now when the reality is... (laughs) Very different from that, because I don't, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't know. But, um, I think that's where people get. I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know. Where, I mean, I, I might disagree with you on that one. You know, it, it's... I think what it does is it makes it allows both parties to be very clear about what they expect, uh-huh. and it also allows whoever's counseling them to kind of maybe advise them about I don't know what the average kind of is. So. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you know, you know what I think that it, because from the way you, you asked it, you said, you know, these things that are spoken about at at the bachelor's parties or bachelorettes, are they enough to prepare someone for marriage? I don't think they are enough. You know, there's not enough time in a bachelor's party to yeah. prepare someone <clears throat> for the sexual experience in marriage. 
and that's because it's a very important aspect of marriage right sex and you know sexual fulfillment for yourself as a husband or for your wife is a very important aspect of marriage now it's not the only aspect but uh -huh. it's an aspect that you cannot leave to chance and we we prepare you know when people do marriage counseling i think for me leaving it number one up until the bachelor's party is a huge mistake yeah. you are not going to remember the stuff that you were told at a bachelor's party about how to handle your wife sexually because remember soon after that advice is done people get into a huge party it goes way into the night chances are by the time the wedding comes if it's the next day or next week you're not really remembering it right so we have to intentionally build these conversations into the 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 grander scheme of marriage counseling we have to intentionally devote time to talking about our sexual expectations like Anna has just said mm -hmm. but also to talking about openly because good sex in a marriage is based on trust and confidence and if we can't have an honest discussion about sex before we are married then it's going to be very difficult to try and develop that trust after we are married so part of it is not just talking about what my expectations are sexually in marriage it's also openly talking about and i know a lot of people might not agree with this because they'll be like mm, that might break my relationship mm -hmm. it's also talking about our sexual history up until yeah. the point that we have met uh -huh. i think just to add on to that one thing i was taught a long time ago was how in when god created adam and eve one of the things that's mentioned in the bible is that they were naked and unashamed and that's kind of what Pastor E is talking about, that you have to get to the point where you can be, well, I'm not talking about physically naked, but no, no, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> that would be, did you hear the awkward you, silence you in the room? Everyone was like, able to actually put everything on the table about right. what your sexual history is. And you have to be unashamed in front of the person that you are now committing to spend the rest of your life with. So no matter how hectic it was or crazy it was, that's, very important. So, just that you. phrase, sexual history. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a body count. Oh my god! Like, what's your body count? And, and you, you know what? It, it, the thing is that it's a tough discussion to have. But for me, I think that's part of it's. It's part of the critical component of building trust. Like I said earlier uh -huh, on, yeah. and if that person truly loves you and truly believes that. You're one. You're the one for them. By the time you are getting married, you, that stuff has to have been out on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone, if you're gonna leave me because of the body count, um, then I think it's better that it happens now than right. than after the marriage. To uh -huh. be honest, uh -huh. uh, because people then start to struggle after the marriage when someone has uh, either you know gone and had sex outside of marriage and they're like but but you I, I thought you were committed just to me and they say well and to be honest you know you were not the only one you know it was kind of different i was kind of missing what i had before you had something before but, okay, but i thought you would tell me yeah well I, you know i didn't think it was important so for me that's uh -huh. that's part of the discussion about sex in our upcoming marriage right you know you have to talk about that who have i been with whether you know uh, you know whether it was it was something you're not proud of or something that happened in a relationship you got to put it on the table and then <laughs> it can't really be something you're i'm talking about the relationship you know just wanted to make sure so okay so here's the thing then that you know the, the question that i have um people in the world right uh, have 
other means. The pe- people are watching porn and reading all kinds of things, and did you? Mm-hmm. And Sutra and all the stuff that people have. Um, in the church, right? What do we actually have? Do do we do we? I mean, I haven't done marriage counseling, but I'm I'm just curious to know that do the different marriage counseling curriculums that are there actually have sections where they they, they talk about these things in detail, or is it all kind of you know? Where where does a young couple learn? Maybe young, kind of old, but they're getting married. Where where do they learn? I think. Um, well, my advice to young couples preparing for marriage would be don't leave it only up to whatever the curriculum your church has for premarital counseling. Uh-huh. It makes sense to find a couple that you can be very open with. Perhaps they were the ones you were accountable to throughout your relationship, who can, who you can have open and honest conversations with. Because, um, yeah, I, I, even like what Pasty was saying, it's, it's sex is something that has so many different facets to it that it's unlikely that you're going to really talk about everything that you're thinking with some couple you've been allocated, maybe because they live in the same physical region as you or anything like that. So it makes sense regarding a lot of aspects of your marriage, but sex particularly, to have a couple that you actually speak to, that you can be open with, that you can be honest with. If they are the the people you may be accounted to while you were um, throughout your courtship, then maybe they would have known if you guys have fallen before. Or they would know what your history was because you should already have quite an open relationship with uh-huh. these people. And so I would say, yeah, find a couple that you can talk to and be very honest with. And I think there's plenty of people in the church who are more than happy to work with young couples. But sometimes the onus is on you to build a relationship and not just wait for the church to mm-hmm. have everything mm-hmm. written out for you. Because we all have different needs, really, at the end yeah. of the day. That's yeah. true. I, I like that you've brought that up. And I just want to bring it on another angle and say... We're assuming here that people are going to enter into marriage through courtship. So that involvement from the church is coming based on that. But what about the people who are maybe finding each other outside of the element of of courtship and then maybe wanting to go for premarital counseling and sort of settle their things, but without that Intru- I'm going to call it an intrusion because of this this other elephant in the room called judgment, which you find at church. That the moment you bring yourselves for accountability, then <clears throat> that element of judgment kind of mm. takes over the main discussion. The dis- yeah. So what, I just want to know what your thoughts are about that. What, what do you mean out of courtship? Like, like um. Okay, we might both attend church, right? Mm-hmm. And then we find each other, we decide to have a relationship together, and then we decide that we want to officialize our relationship. We've not done it through the channels of courtship. So oh. no one else was involved all this time. It was just yes. the two of you, and now it's like, yes. we're getting married now, someone marry us. And then they say, no, but you... And then you, uh, you, yeah, haven't, you haven't been through yeah. any of okay, 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 okay. okay. Uh, you, you, you know, one of the things I think that, that I find uh, troublesome with the church is the number of hoops that we have for people to jump through before we call them an official thing or an official couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time that people met, uh, uh, they didn't meet in church. I mean, I remember uh, as a couple that became very good friends of ours, my wife and I, mm-hmm. that um, met way before they were saved. They were met before they were part of a church and they met in a bar. 
you know, uh, and they, but they're probably one of the realest couples that we had ever seen. And they now, you know, now, now they've been born again for many years. And for years, they became our go-to couple that talked to us about the real world, yeah. things in the real world. And so to support what Anna is saying, I think in terms of a, so the church could have a curriculum, which is great, uh-huh. but the best place to learn about what to expect in a marriage, particularly when it comes to issues of sex and sexuality, is from another couple who are willing to open up about their experiences that you then add on to what you have learned within a church program of some sort that may have been put together. So I think those two things are critical. Number one, I think the church must not be afraid to put together a blatant curriculum, Uh something that is open. Because the problem is is this, is that where the church leaves a void, the world fills that void with their own information. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so the 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 information that is readily available to people everywhere is what the world provides. The the internet is awash yeah. with all sorts of sexual experiences that people end up trying, and then it destroys their marriage because it was not a pleasant experience. So uh-huh. if the church is 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 can be if the church can become less afraid of saying let's let's why, let's talk about sexual pleasure in marriage what can a couple do how can a couple enhance that how can a couple enjoy that in their marriage because i'm on record as having said this whenever i would speak at bachelor's parties or at bridal showers by the way because i would get invited to both based on the 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 work i've done i wrote a little book called uh, what he wants the 10 things every husband desperately wants his wife to know Mm -hmm. and um about about uh about six of those things i think five or six of those things are actually things that are, are to do with sex Mm-hmm. So you would find that some of the things I would talk about at these bridal showers, older women who've been married for years would look at me and they'd be like, are you for real? Like, I, I didn't know that. Like, no one told me that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and, so, and so I think I think there has to be a willingness uh, from the church, number one, to provide a curriculum that is is blatant. It's there. It does, it does not shy away from the subject matter because every couple in that particular church has a sexual experience of some sort. Right. So we can't act as if it doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's number one, is that the, ch- the church must start coming up with these curriculums. The right. second thing is that as a couple, if your church doesn't have that, then you're going to make it your active duty to find a couple that you trust, that you can talk to about some of those things in terms of what to expect, in terms of walking you through uh, how to prepare for, for, you know, for that sexual encounter. Yeah. And you know, Pastor, yeah, I commend you for having the guts to i guess to to blaze the trail you know and to actually write a, to, to write books and to do the things you've done where you you're blatantly you know you're being very open about about these things because you know we kind of tend to skirt around these issues right and it brings me to another question which is in marriage yeah mm-hmm. and uh how how do these things work because you know you you we're living in a, in a very hyper-sexualized world right now. Oh. Everywhere you are, everywhere you go, every movie you watch almost, you know, there's all kinds of sexual things going on. Mm-hmm. In marriage, right, um, is it a free for all? Everything goes. Now that we're married, I need to, uh, the floodgates. The floodgates have been opened, right? The handcuffs, the whips, <laughs> the works. You know what I'm saying, right? Or um, are there things within the marriage setting that are also, I guess, 
uh, ungodly or that uh, a, a little tricky, even though you are within the, the, the marriage union? I want to ask the lady who has the handsome husband to go first. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, well, I would say first and foremost, uh, things must be comfortable for both of you. So I, I understand that everyone might have their own fantasies that they might be bringing into the marriage. But at the end of the day, anything that makes the other couple feel uncomfortable or demeaned, yeah, stay away from it. So there are those who like the whips and the chains. And if you both do, great. I think, I think that's great. But <laughs> if, one, um, if one of you is going to be just trying to please the other and totally not enjoying the experience, then don't go for it. At the end of the day, I think sex is also about building the bond between the two of you. And if that becomes a source of resentment, I think you'll be in a very dangerous place as a couple. Um, I think anything that brings in other parties should completely be avoided. So I don't think porn is a good idea or anything that can cause comparison because comparison is the thief of joy. Right. So now, hey, you don't know what this guy on this video is high on. Okay, so some of these things are not normal. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'd say anything that brings comparison I don't think is a good idea. And I think anything that can replace your partner is also not a good idea. So uh -huh. I personally don't think vibrators and the like are a good idea. Sex should be something you share together at all times. So if at any point it's, yeah, you're able to replace your partner, whether it's through masturbating to porn or to whatever, or to vibrators or whatever, then I think you're cutting out what God intended sex to be for, which is about That's enhancing good. the bond between the two of you. It's about something between the two of you that no one else can provide, you know. And so, yeah, I would think those are... That's really, really good. I, I think, you know what, there, there's a, there's, there should be an understanding as to what sex in, in marriage is designed to be. And it really is supposed to be a shared experience. Okay, And so that's why the emphasis in the Bible with God's requirement is that sex should be with none other than your husband or none other than your wife. Uh, because it's supposed to be a shared experience. It's part of the bond. It's part of what brings you together. Of course, it's, it's, it's also a part of procreation. Um, and I think the, the danger is when people exalt the personal experience and personal satisfaction sexually over the shared experience uh, of sex and sexuality uh, in, you know, in marriage. And anything that does, and I agree again with Anna, anything that degrades your partner or abuses your partner or makes your partner feel uncomfortable, I think it's something that you need to steer clear of. Mm -hmm. uh, and because there's some people that say, yeah, but it pleases me. Well, I, again, let's understand that when you, are, when you are, are having sex, you are there not just to get, but to give. Uh -huh. So it's not a, just a one-man show. You're not there for yourself. You're there for the other person. Now, in terms of, well, so what do I do then for me to receive pleasure? I think this is where now the, the, the relationship must understand that sex in a marriage is more than the act itself. It has a lot to do with conversation between the two people. Right. Talking about, hey, this is, this is what makes me happy, babe. Um, or are you comfortable with this? Or are you, com are you not comfortable? And have an open conversation about it. Um, the, the, and again, you know, we, we also have to be careful because we are people of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. We have to be careful that we are not led in our desires by the world. Yeah. 
Okay. So when people start to to desire things that they have seen on some movie or that they are hearing is happening in pop culture, you have to start asking the question, who is setting the pace with this type of experience Mm -hmm. that we are now craving? Uh, For example, personally, I personally believe that uh, exits are exits and entrances are entrances. (laughs) Um, And when... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> did you? Did you no, okay, so maybe, maybe did, did you watch the video? Some people get them next to you. Yeah, like, did you watch the video where the Ugandan president was uh, was was saying uh, the, the, all these practices that have been brought into our country by foreigners? Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the, the mouth, the mouth is not for sex; it's for eating. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, there, there's big debates about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've always held that position that says, look, the, the, when we, when we, when the, I think there's a difference between, uh, oh, man, what's the word? A difference between um, the, the way something, when you abuse uh, something, um, it's because you're, not, you're now using it for what it was not made for. You don't quite understand what exactly the purpose of it is. And yes. so abusing it becomes... Yes, it exactly. So misusing yeah. it, using it for something else. And the, and the thing is, we have to be... I, I keep saying this to people. We've got to be careful in our desires. Where where do we get our desires okay. from? How what, We certain to like something because... Is it be, because, because that's the way it's made to be or because we have come to find out that it makes us feel a certain way? Not everything that is on offer is to be tried by everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's, you have certain people that have tried certain things in their marriages and, and it's only been for the experience, but it ends up hurting people in that, in that particular marriage. Right. All right. Um, and I think we have to be, people have got to be very careful that they don't get in, you know, get, get enticed by, uh, you know, what looks nice on a movie, but in reality is actually abuse uh, of the other person or even abuse of yourself. But, but Pastor, how do you, how does the church bridge that gap? Like, if if the church is then going to start coming up with a curriculum, does the, how is the church going to, how is the church going to bridge that gap? I'm just curious because there are specific things that you'll see in porn that you know are never ever going to come out of the mouth of a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. But then these are the things that people are kind of secretly going to because then the spiritual person doesn't have an angle from which to teach. So in terms of things like like desire, how then is desire defined within a spiritual context rather than the one that we've seen like in the movies, the tearing of the clothes and the whatnot. Does that mean that the church now has to come up with visualizations that are maybe a bit <laughs> better don't. or more pure than that? I'm, this is, I'm just, you know. Look, I, I think, look, you, you, you're asking a relevant question. It's, it has always been my belief that the church is going to have to, um, is going to have to be a, ahead of the curve if we're going to remain relevant in certain things. <clears throat> we can't keep playing catch up, and this is the problem with 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 the church today, mm-hmm. as opposed to the church. At least when I find that when you read about the church in the Bible, 
um, they they would they would they would chase the curve and then be at par with the curve and then get ahead of the curve right. and address things that were happening in that very day at that very point without fear. All right, and I think this is part of what we what we have to understand. We can't run away from it. The the explanations about sex that worked for our parents, for example, for my parents' generation, are not going to work for my children's generation. Yeah, and if if we don't become more blatant like you're saying more graphic like you're saying uh, with it then our children will find answers elsewhere in fact they will be given answers for questions they haven't yet asked Uh right and this is part of what has happened is that children are starting to see uh, certain uh, sexual trends even before they start thinking about the act of sex itself they already they already understand that, okay, there is a way in which sex is done. Before they've even said, I want to have sex, the options of doing it are already there, provided by the alternative source of media. So the church can't run away from it. And I think, yes, we have to build certain curriculums that talk about it blatantly, but then bring in the wisdom of the word and the wisdom of the kingdom that says, look, you, you can... And the thing is this, a married couple can do whatever they want, but... You, the question now that must be answered within that marriage is how beneficial is this to us in the long run? And how comfortable are we to do this to each other? Is this truly giving us pleasure or is it just for the experience uh, you know, itself? Because we sacrifice a lot in terms of in our marriage just for the experience of what we want to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, here's an example that I will speak about on this show. You guys are, are, are free, to, free to, to, you know, to block it out, but now you're not because I've said it and the <laughs> listeners are want to know what it is. Uh, <laughs> well, we certainly can't throw it in the bin, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can't throw it in the bin, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway, so, so the, the, in, 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 in some of the work that I, I do when I speak at bachelor's parties or sometimes when I do marriage counseling uh, because then I do a one-on-one session particularly with the guys uh, you know in in marriage counseling one of the questions that keeps coming up coming up is look um, I don't know if she's gonna be comfortable you know with you know with giving me a a blowjob all right and the 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 question you're asking is okay so 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 this is this is for you all right if she's not comfortable with doing that how is that is that going to make you think any less of who she is right to you as a person all right and that's part, what part of marriage is is accepting that i may want certain things but if i can't get them that doesn't make my wife any less of a person than she already is right. and doesn't make the the sexual experience any less than what it could be right. there are other ways of heightening that experience uh, that sexual experience mm-hmm. but 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 if the church does not have that discussion and people are whenever i do these talks in informal settings christians ask they come out and they ask yeah but pastor what about this what about that what about this because the church is not answering it so we have to be more blatant about those things we have to approach it with the wisdom of god you know that says look yes those things are out there some people do them but you have to if your wife or your husband is not comfortable with it i'm sorry it's not for your marriage hmm. That's good. And I think to add on to what Pastor Yi is saying, one thing I do remember that is asked during marriage counseling that I think was beneficial and it's probably beneficial for a lot of couples is something that people often probably don't talk about is if there have been issues of abuse in the past, which is something that can really affect a couple's sex life. Right. And those are things that 
the other partner needs to be prepared to walk with their spouse mm. through. You never know what someone could have been through as a child or and these are things that can cause someone to totally tense up and be not even interested in sex. And if you're all about, well, it's my pleasure first, and yet your partner has some traumatic things to work through, and you never knew about them until, you know, you're married. These are things that also need to come up out in the open because they will definitely affect your experience as a couple. You, you know, that's, that, that's actually it's quite profound what you've just said, uh, because, you know, it carries through also to the, the early experiences of sex in a marriage. If those experiences are not good ones or those memories are not good ones, the, the rest of it going forward is going to be hell or a nightmare for one or both of those people. Which is why it's just important to handle each other with care as you start out in the marriage. This idea of finding out, listen, how much of this stuff do you know? What are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And, and you know, what can we do? What, 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 what? It, it just helps because... Sooner or later, you're going to find someone ex when it's time for sex, just cringing up or just thinking, oh, gosh, not again. This is really, right. you know, so so part of part of that um, uh, part of that uh, godly experience, I think, starts off in that place of discussion, that place of the couple openly talking about, you know, sex. It's one of the things I teach is that sex in a marriage just doesn't should not always just happen um, spontaneously. Mm -hmm. You know, people kind of think that, well, you know, the best sex is spontaneous sex. I think that's great, yes. But I think that people should be able to set it up, you know, and say, hey, babe, tonight, you know, tonight, 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 we're going to get it on. All right, okay, that's fine. We're going to get it on. So, so what are we going to do? Well, hey, you know, we, you know, when I get home, we'll, we'll have a chat about, you know, how, how this is going to work out. But that's, it's, for me, that's part of a lively and real marriage counseling setup. Mm -hmm. where people are taught that sex is not something that just shows up. It's not a gift from Santa that kind of rocks up, you know, <laughs> you know, on Christmas, <laughs> on Christmas Eve. No, you know, it's both of you know that, hey, part of what we do in this marriage is we, we you know, we satisfy each other sexually and that's going to happen regularly. And when it does, how do we, how do we make sure that both of us get the best out of it? All right. All right. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> okay, I, I have a, I have a quick question for for Anna, which is this that you know as guys, I think well I'm a guy so uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I we talk about sex a lot generally you know guys it's just a, a thing that happens the jokes you know we, we we generally tend to talk about about sex quite 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 a lot right um, and I'll be honest for for a very long time I actually used to think that la ladies weren't really that interested in sex, right? It's actually a belief that I had. I don't know where I got it, but I, that's what I actually used to think. Uh -huh. And um, that part of the wooing process is trying to get them interested. Have you, but, have you changed your mind now? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to find out. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Cookie, I'm it's sorry. sorry. It's, it's, it's okay. This is, who invited this guy anyway? <laughs> Because <laughs> I, mean, I used to think, so I'm like, okay, so have you changed your mind now? Well, well, listen, you know, through the years, I've now got lots of married friends, and you know, so, so conversations are now changing. All right. Um, but. <laughs> okay, I think I've got wow. a question. Like, yeah. go ahead. Yes, please. 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 <laughs> please. Do you need a bucket okay. for the sweat? Because I can, I can see it. Oh, oh, right there. You... <laughs> All right, so your question is, are ladies actually interested in sex? Is that your question? Yeah, like, or like, or, or like are ladies as, like, obsessed as we are? Like, oh, I wouldn't say obsessed, perhaps. 
But I think there's a lot of factors to what you have asked. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do A-level bio. I came out with a D, but I can explain this. <laughs> um, I think biology is one thing that we all can't run away from. Mm-hmm. Um, women's bodies are structured to one sex the most when we are most fertile. Dangerous, but true. So kind of like on the hormone side of things, our hormones operate differently from men's. So men, as you all know, are kind of ready to go any day. I think y'all were really <laughs> made to be fruitful and multiple. <laughs> 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 a day, all day. <laughs> so I think on a biology level, um, we are quite, that's kind of standard for all of us, but obviously people are individuals. I think another thing that is a very big factor is that one thing that's definitely drilled into women before they're married is to just cut out all things sexual, you know, um, from, and I, I guess it's, it's well-meaning um, that, of course, anything that, even magazines and anything that could kind of get you interested in sex, you're really told not to do it. And don't dress in a way that guys could think is sexy or that makes you too attractive. And we've all kind of got this thing in our heads that we're so afraid of being temptresses that we kind of, yeah. Delilah's. Kind of, Delilah. Exactly. Because yeah. uh, there are some trains of thought that cause us to believe that if a man even thinks the wrong thing, it's because you are wearing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. which isn't right. Which is crazy, yeah. And then all of a sudden, when you get married, you're supposed to, ooh, be a, what do they say? A lady in the streets and a We're freak, freak in, the in the sheets. And that's just supposed to Don't ask us how heaven. we know those lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I check, check, could I surprise at his face, like, huh? Uh-huh. Where did they get this from? <laughs> Gotta wake up, church boy. Wake up, church boy. But I think, honestly, so I think what should be different is that women are emotional, whereas men are more visual, I believe, right? I read mm-hmm. the books. So, yeah. um, oh. so I think yep. men are moved by what they see and see different things on a daily basis. So that's why a guy can see different women and find them attractive and he could possibly have a sexual thought. doesn't mean he's going to act on it, mm-hmm. but things can cross his mind. From what I've also heard, guys, yeah, as, soon as, they, <laughs> as soon as they see things, they kind of forget them. So, yeah, so I guess that's kind of how you guys' minds work. Women, on the other hand, are often more emotional. So you don't, you don't really have emotional experiences on a daily basis or with random people. So with us, it's more likely that it's because... There's been a build-up of some sort with you and a certain person, which is what then leads you to be more interested in sex. So, yeah. Except for those kind of like five days of a month, which can be a little bit crazy. But, yes, I mean, they, yeah, they can they, actually be monstrous. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other yeah, okay. podcast. Let's, let's just... <laughs> but on a general... Then, but obviously, look, people are different. People's urges and desires are different. What people have been exposed to is different. Right. And then obviously... <laughs> But what Pastor E also said, you also have to... Another thing that is obviously a factor is what you've been exposing yourself to anyway. So if you yeah. have been um, f- getting a whole lot of sexual stimuli, then you're likely going to want sex a lot more because that's right. what you've been filling yourself up with. But I think on a, so on a general, I guess you, there's no one-size-fits-all. But okay. yeah, that's what I think. Cool. Wow. Uh, as we get ready to wrap it up, uh, I want us to talk about um, something which is damaged goods right so by damaged goods (laughs) uh here i'm talking about you know people who have made mistakes 
people who have uh, i guess high body counts or <laughs> you know pe- people people who who've, who've played around or maybe it's you know a couple that's in a relationship but they've done they, they've done stuff mm-hmm. or maybe it's somebody who's done stuff in the past and now they've got a they've got a child or something like that right so the the, the question i have to ask is that um number 1 as as the church you know how best do we restore right that's number 1 and then the second thing is that you know some people then end up suffering from a lot of shame and guilt from from things that happen and uh how how do we deal with that how best do we help people that are that are in that in that space um th- th- i think the the um, it's 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 sad when we've had to use the word or the phrase damaged goods you know because it implies um a sense of um somebody no longer being adequate uh for the future um and even in you know in uh, our in our shona culture you know if uh, people have sex before marriage and there's a pregnancy involved before marriage and then uh, the young man wants to go and straighten things out with the family of uh, you know the his uh, uh, the lady who now carries you know his child they call that payment damages Mm-hmm. You know, but damage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what? You know, you've damaged our daughter. Yeah. And I think it's 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 uh, first of all that approach makes it very difficult for people to 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 uh, to, to get their life straight, or it makes it very difficult for people to um, uh, you know to want to commit themselves to a pure relationship, either with somebody. Or, or, or on their own to carry on as a single person. Right. Um, now, fine. We, we, we. I don't know that there is one person who is completely pure by the time that they get married, mm-hmm. because the the sexual purity that the Bible refers to is not just talking about physical sexual purity. It's also talking about a sexual purity that is within our minds. And this is what Jesus would share. And it says this, this is in Matthew 5, 28, and it says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to last after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So if, if we're talking about damages and damaged goods, uh, sometimes, you know, people who have had sex before marriage and they have a pregnancy for it are easier to target and for us say, right, we're going to sit you down, you know, this is damaged goods. They're easier to target than people that there is no physical appearance as mm-hmm. to what they've done before, you know. Um, and so I think that the, 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 those experiences that we go through that may not be so, uh, you know, may, may, may not be so, you know, kind of kingdom, I, and we did them either out of ignorance or out of a moment of weakness, mm-hmm. um, you know, are things that someone can come back from. Um, God is not scared by someone's sexual past. As far as I'm concerned, when I, if I look at things, those, th- those issues through God's eyes, there's no such thing as damaged goods. Right. <clears throat> I don't think God views people as damaged goods at all. Yeah. I think that you're a sinner, just like somebody who used to steal mm-hmm. is a sinner. You're a sinner, just like somebody who lived a life without God, yeah. you know, was a sinner. Uh, and so the same grace that applies to somebody who didn't know God and now is coming into a relationship with God is the same grace that applies to somebody who had a sexual encounter before they were married. It's exactly the same grace. 
It's just that we live in a society that wants to make people believe that sexual sin is the most deepest and most most horrible sin that there is. They're exactly the same. God takes all of them seriously. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so I think that it's it's very possible. It's just that we live in a society that is very harsh when it comes to sexual sin. And yet, it, as far as it as God is concerned, in my eyes, His grace for somebody like I said who whose sin was a sin of stealing or a sin of, um, you know, murder, uh, that grace is the same for somebody whose sin was the sin of uh, sexual impurity yeah. in, a, in a previous life or in a current relationship. Right. Uh, you know, I think that God's grace is equally the same. Hmm. But Pastor, why is it then that the church seems to be the perpetrator of, of the finger-pointing rather than the place where people are educated about God's grace? Well, a lot of it comes from the fact that I think a lot of people are very pious and very Mm self-righteous. And and it's unfortunate because it it makes people feel better than others. If I can condemn you of something, Mm -hmm. uh, I can, for me, it makes me, it makes, it makes my shortcomings look like nothing. It's easier for me to deal with my shortcomings if I can find another shortcoming that that I can brand bigger or deeper or darker than mine, you know. And I think the, the church finds itself in that place where it's, it is misrepresenting God. Mm-hmm. That God, even though he may not approve of it, the big thing to understand is that God approves of you as a person despite what you have done. Right, yeah. So the biggest barrier here itself is not God, it's the church in many cases that misrepresents the anger of God or the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes God is waiting there saying, no, my grace is actually bigger than my, my judgment for, for what you've done. Right. You know, I think that grace, there's, the Bible says in Romans, it says where sin abounds, grace does abound much more. Yeah. So no matter what you have done and no matter what the what the what the 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 condemnation may be by the church god's grace for you is much bigger god is is readily willing to accept you back than uh, he is to spit you out based on on what you did it seems that the church maybe because we are trying our best to have a standard and we're trying our best to be sure that you have dealt with your issue because we're human and we don't know what's in your heart and we don't know what's in your mind, right. we then try our best to create these checks and balances that are quite you know, difficult to deal with. You know what I mean? They really are, are, sometimes it feels like disciplinary action. In fact, in many churches, it's disciplinary action. Shamu. And, I, and I, yeah, shamu, you know what I mean? And I understand the fact that sometimes there may be a need to say to somebody, look, I think because of what you've gone through, and because of the church that we, because maybe you're ministering in the church, we're going to ask you not to minister for a season mm-hmm. whilst you heal. Okay. But I, the, the, the problem becomes exposure uh, to the rest of the church in terms of exposing the particular person to the church rather than covering them. Right. And sometimes it seems that churches um, do a better job of exposing people than they do of covering people. You know, if someone is going through a situation where they have had sex before marriage or they've had sex with someone else whilst they're in marriage, mm-hmm. the church has to represent the heart of God mm. that says, I'll seek you not to harm you, not to chastise you, but seek you to cover you, seek you to heal you. Because what God wants is to restore you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
That's all good. And, and I think that's probably where the church finds itself with a bit of a dilemma. We have, we're heavy-handed and forget that the end result of seeking you is to help you heal. Yeah. Is to help you recover and be better. Not to strip you of, of everything and make an example of you so that the rest of the church doesn't do what you did. <laughs> or yeah. does it better so they don't get caught. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Pastor E, I, I love the way that you, you've, you've explained that. And especially um, the point that the church needs to represent the heart of God. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's really amazing. That's, yeah. So if you're listening out there, you know, that, that's something that I think, you know, you, you really need to, to take to heart. Um, and then Anna, I don't know if you've got anything that you, you want to you wanna add to that before, before we wrap it up. Mm, nah. Perfecto. perfecto. If I could put the emoji, be the one with the three fingers, and then circle. You guys can't see me. Okay. That was perfect. Yeah, we've done it. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna close it here today. Uh, we've we've touched on a lot of very important aspects of of this subject. Uh, Dazo, I don't know if you've got anything you want to say. Um, just that. Wow. Uh, this has been a really really fruitful discussion, and I hope that it can be a platform for further involvement and reformation in the church itself. Because yeah. really, I think there's a whole other plethora of things oh, that yeah. we, we that, they, that they can they can never be needs. enough time. Yeah. They can never they can never be enough time to talk about <laughs> to talk about that. Uh, to so, talk about yeah. this. So yeah, great yeah. platform. No, but, but thank you very much. That was very insightful, especially from a spiritual person. And like this doesn't just impact the people who are listening but for ourselves because yeah. we are the people who are who are asking these things on behalf of our brothers and sisters sounds very much like that program it's hectic that program I, learned, I i don't know if it's still running but i learned a ton of things from that program oh my they would send us to bed when it started but we found ways of listening all right, cool. And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna thank our guests, Pastor E, Anna. It's been a, it's, it's been, been a great real. pleasure and honor having you guys with us today. Thank you. And to my co-host, Dazzle. Dazzle <laughs> like my for top. Yes, <laughs> like your top. Guys, it's been real. I'm Cookie Monster. Thank you for listening. We're out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.